This week on the podcast, Take Cover Arizona! Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge podcast. My name is Brian and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a discussion of a movie I went and saw recently. So, set the stage here. I, uh, local record store, um, was doing a series with the local former Alamo Draft House and, uh, they, they did pump up the volume, and I remember being, like, way too into this movie uh, when it came out, like, embarrassingly too into this movie, like, on the day we went and saw it the first time, and, and so I went with a with a sense of dread uh, to go see it, wondering just how, how ashamed I would be when it was all said and done, and I came out, I came out with questions, I came out with thoughts, and and well, you're just going to have to listen to the show and, and check the show notes if you want to skip the, the, the other stuff we do, uh, find out how that went. Uh, so yeah, check that out. And as always, you know, we're, we're always looking to grow the show. So please subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, you can always find us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E on Twitter. We're the Magnificently Huge Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And you don't have to remember any of that because you can just go to our website, maghuge.com, find links to all of that and all of our old shows. All right. Uh, it's another week. It's another show. Who run Barter Town? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Girls faster, run Barter Town. Faster, blaster, oh. run Barter Town. <laughs> Ain't no plan. You have just been References thunderdome. to things that are, unrele- are not relevant to the show, yeah. everybody. Hi, it's the Magnificent the Huge podcast. Let's do the thing. I'm Brian. I'm Chris. I'm Eric. We're going to yeah, fight in the Thunderdome. Tire Man in just one man lives. <laughs> You have just been thunderdomed. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> we don't How's need everybody doing hero. this week? I'm tired. I'm so tired. Yeah. Yeah. We we're all tired. Let's just get on with it. We do a segment every week where we talk about new stuff we've been doing. It's called the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is real. Fresh. Chris, give us your fresh shit. I'm a little late to the party on this show, but I started watching The Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max, which is uh, okay. yeah. Danny McBride's show with John Goodman, uh, etc., which is basically a giant fuck you to televangelism, and it's glorious. It is so dirty, and is so dark, and it's fun. Uh, it basically revolves around a... A very successful Jim Baker-esque type televangelist played by John Goodman who's got like mega churches everywhere and he's filthy fucking rich and his wife has recently died who was his partner and it sort of left him without a compass and so his kids work in the ministry with him and it's 
they're all just oh, terrible. Danny McBride is the the oldest brother, uh, and then you've got uh, I can't remember his name right now. The kid from uh, Workaholics, uh, mm. who was like the Uber Griffin. Oh, Adam Devine is like the young kid, and he's like oh yeah, totally stuck, totally stuck in like the two thousands boy band fashion, and he's sort of like supposed to be the youth market pastor. Uh, and then it's just this <laughs> fucked up thing where the first episode is Danny McBride's character is getting blackmailed because he's got, they've got a videotape of him at some, uh, hotel somewhere with hookers and blow. And he's supposed to be this devout family man. And then when they go to do the payoff, they kill <laughs> the, the guy that's trying to blackmail them in a parking lot somewhere. And then everything just spirals out of control from there. That's the first season. Uh, but it's also the family dynamic. And then it's got uh, the kid from, uh, oh, what the fuck was that show with the zombies and, uh, and what's her Oh, name? that show. Yeah, The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, the comedy with, uh, with uh, Oliphant. Zomboat? Uh, uh, oh no, uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's, okay. It's got, it's got that kid in it. Yeah, my brain is not functioning today at all. Uh, and it's just uh, if you want real, I think it's right up your alley, Eric. If I'm being honest, because every yeah. episode is just a giant fuck you to all the hypocrisy of modern Christianity, <laughs> and uh, it's just glorious to behold. You can tell that Danny McBride, who created the show, like maybe grew up in that environment. Uh, and it's just his reaction to how much bullshit is involved because they're all just venal uh, capitalists who are just using mm-hmm. the Lord as their engine for money. And they all live like on this giant compound in their big mansions and have all the stuff and act like they're so much holier than everybody. And then John Goodman's character gets into uh, a very bitter feud with the local pastors. Uh, Dermot Mulroney is the the main guy who runs a small church. Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Dylan McDermott uh, Mulrooney. I think they should yeah. make a film, Dylan McDermott Mulrooney, and get the two of them, <laughs> and neither of them really knows who they are. Am I Dylan McDermott, yeah. or are you Dylan McDermott? I don't know anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So there's a few going on that's very ugly, uh, and there's a lot of swearing, and a surprising amount of male genitalia shows up in each episode, which I was not prepared for, so I'm just putting that out there now. So if uh, the sign of man's package upset you in any way do not watch the show because they're just full tilt doing it to make you uncomfortable like like a dude uh, unless we don't like you then watch the show yeah that's fine but it's like they, <laughs> okay. the way they set up the shots is like a dude's naked scrote in the foreground and then a character in the background being uncomfortable and it's just totally designed to make you just go oh what the fuck am i watching because people aren't used to male genitalia on screen it's like you know show me boobies whatever i'm awesome but uh, a dick? Oh, my God. And, you know, it's like this weird moment where you're like, is, what's going on? Because it's still very disconcerting. And so they at, do a lot of that. At this point, if you're on a streaming service and it says nudity, chances are it's a, it's a male ass, at least, more yeah. than it is a woman anymore. Like, generally well, speaking, nudity has, yeah. has been gender flipped in, remember, uh, in the modern age. Remember the glory days when Ewan McGregor was the only one that showed peen on the movie screen? I mean, it's definitely changed since then. It's like he went through a, I, a phase where, like, literally every movie had had dick. Game, Game of Thrones I, went pretty far. <laughs> yeah, you I, saying, Eric? like, I wonder, like, how how 
How do women approach blowjobs when when penises are like so disconcerting to look at? I mean, they're just they're aggressive and they're ugly and they're weird. Yeah. And it's like, and they kind of smell. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. if I haven't well, showered, I, mean, I, I know I get a little swampy. How does anybody yeah. want to operate that machinery? Well, they don't you, want to. They, yeah. they, they do it out of pity, Eric. I guess. But it's <laughs> See, also I think that's the, probably what, why I don't go yeah. for blowjobs. It's like, nah, there you, you know what? I like you. You don't have to do that. That's just weird. Well, plus it's the, you know, you get two versions. It's like, are you circumcised or not? And so which one is more uh, obnoxious? <sighs> I mean, it's, you know, what are you going to do? So, yeah. This podcast took a turn. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, Righteous Gemstones, it's, uh, it's, like I say, it's a very, very dark uh, comedy, but it's also about just a family that's totally fracturing uh, because they just don't know how to keep their shit together. And they're definitely not as pious as they pretend to be making all their millions. And so it's just, there's a whole lot going on. But John Goodman is very good as the patriarch, uh, and Danny McBride obviously doing the Danny McBride character that he's pretty much known for, uh, like the blustery Southern prick uh, who just is a what Danny freak. McBride is yeah. playing that kind of character yeah. it's, again. It's, it's not a well, he wrote it for himself, so you know it's I yeah what you know. Does he play any other kind of character? No. Uh, eh? Okay, and then. And then his, and then Adam Devine's character's best friend is a very, uh, he's a very strange man who might be emotionally challenged, but he's basically a, a, a guy who used to be a Satanist who they, uh, pulled back over to the side of the Lord. And so he's got this really weirdly calm Zen demeanor about him. And he's, he, talks about being a Satanist and this and that, and he's got all the tats and stuff, but he's a total like converted Jesus freak now. And it's just so weird to watch. So if you, if you enjoy a good poke in the eye of uh, modern religion, especially the version of Southern evangelism, then definitely check it out. After the previous conversation, did you really have to go with poke in the, anyway? Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. And dicks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. What else you got, Chris? Uh, barring that, the only other thing I've been catching recently is, uh, something I hadn't watched and then just stumbled upon it, but it's uh, a British show comedy called Plebs, which is basically, it's always sunny in Philadelphia set in like 23 BC Rome about a bunch of just slacking, uh, Roman citizens. (laughs) Yeah, plebeians. Okay. And they just get into all kinds of nonsense, uh, trying to make money. And one of them is is a slave that one of them owns. Uh, who basically is the most useless person on the planet. He just doesn't do anything, but he's so glorious. He's like the Charlie Day character in this, uh, but he just he just eats everything and doesn't do any work, and they just make a lot of hay about <laughs> how uh, if you have status, you own a slave, so one of them owns a slave, and he's the most useless <laughs> individual on the planet. And it's just, uh, it's just amusing. But if you like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, versus Seinfeld it's that kind of a mashup vibe but set in Rome uh around the 23 BC uh there's nobody I know in it that you would know any names but the the ensemble cast is fun and uh the situations they do are uh, pretty amusing and I would highly recommend it if you're looking for just a change of pace that's really all I got I've just been watching a lot of like goofy comedy shows because uh all right because I'm because right. I'm sad most of the time that everything is still not fixed like the covid's it's it it's and, gonna get worse eric yeah, what exactly. do you got 
<laughs> uh, you know, I've been enjoying this shit out of Better Call Saul. Uh, really? I know you guys were okay. never big Breaking Bad fans, so... Everyone's saying good things about Better Call Saul lately. I mean... It's really... It is. And it's tying into, like, Breaking Bad. It's starting to dovetail into it. And I know that uh, Odenkirk had said that the last season is going to, you know, bond with Breaking Bad in such a way that you're going to feel like you have to just go and watch Breaking Bad again. Um, I really suggest it. It's really good. It is really good. It's. It, I know. Would I it enjoy sounds... it if I haven't watched Breaking Bad. How about That's that? What, I'm saying you would enjoy Breaking Bad, and I'm saying. Okay. And, and the thing is, you don't think you'd like it because all of the kind of people you don't like talk about how much they like it. Right? It's kind of like <laughs> I love Judas Priest. I hate Judas Priest fans. It's the same exact thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's a yeah, good I, show. I, I just, we tried Breaking Bad and 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 the first episode. We I don't know. We just weren't in the mood. It was like just too you know too hard, too negative, and right. we were just like, eh, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if that's your problem with it, then yeah, you you're, you know it gets nothing but worse. But it gets that's worse. How I understand it in a it, way yeah. that your jaw drops because oh, uh, uh, Walter White is. You cannot have these shows without The Sopranos, right? I mean, the episode of The Sopranos season one, college, when he just straight up strangles a guy to death while showing his daughter around colleges, it's the first time you have a hero who is not at all likable, who, you know, you you have no moral connection to. Mm -hmm. Walter White is a guy who you totally connect with until you realize he's the Antichrist, and it takes like four seasons to get there. It is it is worth the ride. That's all I can say. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So 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 better call Saul. <laughs> yeah. Better call Saul. Well, it's it's that whole universe. It's basically laying the groundwork for all of the criminal organizations in play uh, uh when we start breaking bad. Uh and the law is enforcement it, Is it better as a do you think it's better as a seeing it after breaking bad or would it work to watch it in that in that chronological order. I I don't think it makes sense to watch uh, Better Call Saul first. I think okay. like a lot of the power in this show is in moments where characters are meeting characters that they don't realize are, you know, going to kill them or the are going bad. to okay. undo their lives. You know, it's, yeah, it, it's a lot of that. So all the subtext would just be lost if, yeah. you, if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. But well, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're shooting the final. They're shooting the final season of it right now, or they're showing the final season of it right now. So I've got a ways until I get my conclusion on it. But yeah, my recommendation really is if you have no experience with that, if you if you liked Breaking Bad, you're already watching this. If you didn't watch Breaking Bad, really give it a shot. It's it's fucking phenomenal. It's that all yeah. four seasons take place in like I, I think I think somebody broke out the timeline. It's like one year. The whole show is one year long because it's nothing but bad thing after bad thing happening with no break in between. Interesting. Okay. How would you, how would you compare it to something like the wire? That's the other one everybody talks about that. I'll probably never watch. The wire is a lot slower. The wire is good, but the wire is more of a, it's more, it's very bookish. I mean, quite frankly, 
the Breaking okay. Bad is yeah, it's nothing but uh, I guess id and ego, <laughs> just making the world horrible. It's a guy who 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 <laughs> okay. just just is mad to have respect, and you don't know whether he's a good guy or a bad guy because of it. It's it, there's a lot going on with Breaking Bad. Okay, but uh, the wire is there's a lot of people going on in in the wire. Okay. There's a lot of different okay. perspectives. Okay, yeah, all right. I'll uh, and it, I'll pro- probably never watch them both, but I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> what else you got, Eric? That was it. I gave everything else in the last episode because we taped two in a row. All right. So yeah. So uh, how does this how is this going to fit in with your uh, your viewings of Blacklist that you mentioned last show? Like you're going to be watching a shit ton of TV apparently. Well, this is the show that I watch with uh, uh, the wife because she also loves Breaking Bad. Uh, we okay. also have to finish up Ozark once she gets home because gotcha. the end of that is on Netflix. But okay. yeah, Blacklist is just something I watch on my own because she could not give a shit less about the Blacklist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even though fair. we both loved Alias, I think I might get yeah. her on board. Okay. Good luck. All right. So for mine this week, uh, first of all, you'll notice that uh, two weeks have gone by on the show since the end of Moon Knight, and we haven't mentioned it, and we don't need to. Mm. Um, I want to do talk about, <laughs> I finished watching Severance. Uh, Severance, which is on the Apple TV app, so nobody has it, but damn, it's really good. But I should give a warning to people taking my uh, recommendation on Severance. It's clear they have a plan, but they end it on a cliffhanger. And jerks, they really should have wrapped a few things up that they did not wrap up in the first season. How much mystery can there be in a biography of Joan Severin? Uh, Oh, is that not this? No. No. But you're close, Eric. Thanks for trying. Uh, do they they end it like they did Cowboy Bebop where it's like we're going to do a cliffhanger and then oh Netflix is just going to kill the show like they do everything else no it's it's already been renewed for a second season there will be more okay they will they will probably just make the mysteries deeper though I'm worried that it's more like Lost in which they're just going to do mystery boxes and they don't have a plan I really thought they had a plan and by the end if they did they're not (laughs) <laughs> they're not wrapping it up yet so is, so is, we'll is, see is ben stiller writing this or is he just directing some of the episodes no no it's all written by this one other dude stiller's producing and he directed most of the episodes okay um and it's i mean it's not a comedy at all it's it's tense like, like this is an intense show like cable Guy? and um no it's <laughs> better than cable guy okay. but okay. adam scott is the lead and the the whole thing is like Adam Scott is he's not as young as he used to be, and they play off of that. Like they always make his makeup just make him look like a total creep. Like he just he just looks wrong, and okay. and he's supposed to. Like the casting is is great in this thing. Like I say, Christopher Walken's in it, John Turturro's in it, um, Britt Lauer's in it. She's great. Um, it's, it's a really good, really tight, really well-made show. It just, God damn it on the cliffhanger. Um, worth your time though. Definitely worth your time. Okay. The, the stuff I want, the stuff I was actually going to talk about at any length, I have never watched this all the way through. Chris, I know it's one of your all-time favorite movies. I'm a Wes Anderson fan sometimes, 
and I'd never watched Bottle Rocket all oh, the way through. The we first did Bottle Anderson. Rocket. The first Anderson. It's so sweet. Which is kind of not an Anderson. No. Really? It's not. Like it it yeah. is it is not at all the aesthetic that he has been cultivating since Rushmore, I guess. It's a camera test. It's learning how to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's, it, yeah, very, it's really an fun. Owen Wilson movie <laughs> more well, he, than a Wes well, Anderson well, movie. Well, that was like uh, he he and Owen Wilson co-wrote like the first three. So they did Ball Rocket, they did Rushmore, they did the Royal Tannenbaums, and then that's mm-hmm. when they stopped writing together. And so you can tell the shift in his movies from that. Like the ones he did with Owen Wilson, I think are the strongest for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, yeah. O- Owen Wilson just giving himself the role of this. Comp- Completely selfish dick. Yeah. Uh, who who just eats the screen whenever he's on it, which is most of the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's good. I love Dignan. Yeah. Dignan is one of my favorite film characters of all time. He's just <laughs> he's just he's so cluelessly optimistic about everything and has no right to be. And it's just insert- cluelessly optimistic about his ability to be a scumbag. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> Insert clip here of because I'm innocent. I think that yeah. that is the ultimate dignan moment. Everybody remembers <laughs> caw caw, but I think that yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the but this I love this movie because it's uh, I think it was Albert Brooks produced it uh, based yeah. on a short film, and then they ended up getting uh, a whole slew of just performances out of supporting players that are just for a for an indie film from the 90s, is just amazing. Uh, a lot of the Wilson show up, uh, who will yeah. then come up in, in later things. Uh, but it's just, they're and all... James Conn. Yeah, and James Conn is like the, the marquee name to sell it all. And uh, Yeah, how is he not like one of the repeating players in the Wes Anderson films? Uh, like, I'm surprised. No, no idea. But I love that they, he owns um, the, the company called The Lawn Wranglers. Which is a long character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Bottle Rocket is a good movie. It's a good indie film, but I don't know that I would call it a good Wes Anderson film. It is a film that was directed by Wes Anderson, but it doesn't yeah. fit that it's, genre. Yeah. yeah it's, if that it's, makes sense. It's a proto Anderson. Like Eric said, it's a camera test. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah. And, and, and it I made it his career. Its own After that yeah. film, everybody, like in Hollywood, wanted to, I guess, help him make his next film. That's why Wes yeah. Anderson is who he is now. The yeah. strength of Bottle Rocket. You can't understand yeah. Wes Anderson's oove without Bottle Rocket. But it also uh, gave rise to Owen Wilson as the superstar. Yeah. I mean, without Bottle Rocket, you're not going to see him in anything else to become that big name. Uh, regardless of the output that he had in the 2000s, uh, this is the one that really set him on his path. So it's it's quite astonishing. And I just, this is what I lo- got him I, his, his minor part in Cable Guy that we already <laughs> it's, true, it's true. But yeah, I can't understate how much I love the character Dignan. He's just one of my all-time favorites ever. And so anytime Bottle Rocket is on, I'll watch it. And it just makes me smile from ear to ear for the full 90 minutes. And then I'm in a good mood. So it's, it's, my, uh, it's my Prozac movie, or one of them anyway. So <laughs> it's a solid choice. All right. So... The other movie I saw this week will not put a smile on your face because um, it doesn't want to. I watched uh, Nightmare Alley. Oh, um, fucking that should have been so much better. That should have been so much it, better. I haven't bothered. I haven't bothered. It's not bad. It's, it, it's kind of like the Batman in that it's way too long. Like, 
there's a great movie if you could edit this down. It's it's, it's Guillermo del Toro making a noir. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper is fantastic in this thing. He he is in just about every shot and he's he's great. Like playing this this guy who is a carny and is a manipulator and does mentalism. You know, and it it lifts the mask on mentalism. Yeah. And it yeah, he is good. Um, yeah, but the cast overall is good. Oh, but is, yeah. But no, is fantastic there any, cast. Is there any fish fucking? That's really the main question that we want. There's to know. no fish fucking. Okay. Um but 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 yeah, this guy is the scum of the earth and he gets way too many hot women including Kate Blanchett who is as always awesome and born right? for noir. I mean, she looks right yes. in this era. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's a good noir, but it doesn't bring anything new to the table that you couldn't just get from watching old movies. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the it's same a remake. length. It is a remake is of it? an actual is noir it? film from the 50s. Interesting. Well, this one seems And to I'm have told the, you're better off just watching it. Well, it seems to have the vibe of like when he did Crimson Peak, where he it's like Del Toro's version of a gothic horror flick, and it's just it's it's fun to look at, but the the whole thing is just empty from start to finish. And it just, it took me forever to watch it. And then when I did, I'm like, oh, okay. And that's sort of why I'm not in, eager to jump into Nightmare Alley. Because I just. You, you'll probably have roughly that reaction to Nightmare Alley. Okay. My, it's fine. Yeah. It's my not thinking was, yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. His version of a genre. Um, and, and for starters, like just the idea of a noir, making a noir film, the reason they were that way is they didn't have much money. They weren't trying to make noir films look like noir films. Right. They, that yeah, it was a limitation, and so to try and imitate it, it already feels hackneyed. But right. this this doesn't bring anything new. In fact, I knew exactly where it was going. Like oh way yeah, too yeah. Early. The, the end is telegraphed really, really loudly, yeah. isn't For it? For a film this long, yeah. you better have a lot more surprise to it than that. Yeah. It's a tragedy. Yeah. I get it, but you know, for fuck's sake, surprise me with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So says you. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's the fresh shit. I mean, that's probably the weakest fresh shit we've had in quite a while. That was like... Oh, whatever. You know. They can't all be winners. No, that's true. We have a show called They Can't All Be Winners. If you go back into our archive, where we admit (laughs) the episode sucked ass. I really love us for that level of honesty. And that's a surprisingly uh, consistently aired episode of ours i can't believe why people tune into that but you know whatever good on you because the people who listen to this show don't really listen to it for the subjects they listen to it for you know us the talent yeah yeah yes our topic this week is pump up the volume and i want to set the stage a little bit on this one okay um not the song not the song the movie no, the movie, okay. the the movie from 1990 with Christian Slater. Okay. Um. So this is this was a movie that was showing at. So the Alamo Draft House in Arizona went bankrupt, but it's still around as the Majestic. It's it's the same theaters with the same owners, but they they lost their franchise basically. Mm. Um, and they're doing a a series with the local record chain Zia Records, movies with with good soundtracks. Uh, another episode that is very popular, our soundtracks episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one but, shows up uh, in it too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 
so pump up the volume is is going and the wife's like let's go see pump up the volume i'm like okay and i'm i'm like dreading it right because i remember (laughs) i remember being into this movie at the time and i'm like this is gonna be embarrassing i'm gonna go and i'm gonna be like oh my god what was i thinking that movie was terrible and i went and i had a very different reaction to it than i thought i was going to have it actually held up much better than i was expecting even the but, par- even the part where huge the, even the, even the part where the kids all have to rally to save happy harry hard on come on kids let's <laughs> go and help save well, the radio yeah. guy. I, will, uh. I mean so Okay, do you, I'm just going to give you my thesis statement here. I, I, this might be a short episode, but okay. Here, here's the thing, right? First of all, it's set in 1990, and so it's very much of our age. And it mm-hmm. is actually authentic. Like, the music, the clothes, the tone, everything about it is like, yeah, that is how I remember being, mm-hmm. like, 18. And I still buy the characters even most of the adults not the principal but the adults make sense in this movie in retrospect the thing is it's about a guy who moves to his parents move him to Arizona and he's doing a pirate radio signal and he's he's getting his his voice out to the world and the whole message is this call to generation x to get off your ass and take the reins and own the conversation and take it away from the boomers and make the world a better place by giving every individual a voice (laughs) twitter and we (laughs) we did it we absolutely did it and i was there and i was in silicon valley and we were building web 2.0 and we were gonna make there was ted talks and we're gonna make the world a better place by opening up communication lines and we broke fucking everything (laughs) we did exactly what this movie told us to do we were motivated to do it and we gave the world trump and it's our fault well that's that's the fun part Here's here's the thing though what you didn't take away the most important lesson which is that the guy with the radio show gives bad advice that results in a kid's suicide. So you know what there's yes. a little bit of responsibility in your messaging. Yeah. But <laughs> the he, FCC yeah. guy in this movie who's hunting him is right. He's like yeah. we can't let everybody have a voice. It will drive everything to the lowest common denominator. You're right, dude. Yeah. You're oh, right. You mean you mean the dad from Teen Wolf? Yeah. That guy yes, was, uh, yes. That guy was a douche. Well, I yeah, I I like your your enthusiasm for that, Brian, on that thesis because it literally boils <laughs> down to uh, the generation defined by irony uh, doesn't understand how irony works out in the end yeah. because it's like literally <laughs> everything in this movie gave rise to social media, uh, podcasting, uh, getting your voice out there unfiltered so any jackhole can just do it uh, and have an audience. And everything is broken in this movie. It's just from yeah. top to, yeah. to stem to start. It's like this person's broken. That message broken. That message is fucked up. It's, this it's thing joyful, sucks. It's just like, it's yeah. gotta be a joyful experience now as you know, like if you have kids who are like, you know, oh, whatever old man, you don't get it. It's like, this is one where you can go, no, I totally get it. This was us, yeah. and we caused the problem. It's like, yeah, we yes. have this thing that says right, right, you know, right off the bat, you know, yeah, everything you just said about you know sharing your voice, but we have an example of how that doesn't work, 
It's not just yeah. I grew up and became Republican. It's I grew up and I saw it happen in real life and holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But so what like I- to now now to me this is like the Gen X movie because it still has a great soundtrack and it captures the moment authentically and it tells us why we fucked everything up. Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing I love most about it is it 1990, so it's definitely before internet and Google, and so all of the shit that uh, Christian Slater's character is absorbing through books and stuff, he had to get from the library. You know, it's like you had like people right. can't understand. I don't think these days, like the the time before internet, when you had to physically go to places and get physical media uh, mm-hmm. to read stuff in order to fill your brain with all of your half-assed ideas so that you yeah. could spout them to your friends and family, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like he's Actually, checking out uh, the Lenny Bruce I, book from the library and that kind of shit. So, yeah, it's funny. I have a feeling like the, because I've thought about like his gear setup and he probably mail-ordered a bunch of uh, technical manuals from popular uh, mechanics and, right. and, you know, like, they that used to be the thing too is the back of magazines would sell you shit like you know mm-hmm. how to ham blow radios. your house up any fucking yeah. thing you want yeah ham radios would have been easy yeah well <laughs> it's like harry hart on uh like the christian slater character just sort of uh mouthing into the wind uh incessantly it's it's like is this the the little brother Badger from Better Off Dead, who's grown up into high school, like this is him, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the I li- mean, that's sure. what it feels like because he's using all the tech. Because uh, not everybody's going to be able to set up a ham radio setup and then like reroute the the phone from the neighbor's shed in order to not get detected if it's traced and that whole stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. this weird, weirdly specific uh, tech know how coupled with just the most irresponsible. Uh, soapboxing I think I've ever seen on film and it totally presages all of the talk radio knuckleheads that just infected everything yeah. it's just so Some, weird yeah something to think about though with the idea of him putting together his whole ham radio kit and meanwhile you know his parents his teachers everyone just underestimates him and writes him off is yeah mm-hmm. that's you know that's part of the message right there is if you write me off, I'll, you know, I, I'm still capable, even if you don't see it. Yeah. And I think that's what made the film, you know, I guess, enjoyable. Even if you don't understand ham radio sets, it's, yeah. I, I have some agency in my life, whether or not you, yeah. you, you yeah. think so. It's just, it yeah. still works on that level. Yeah. It still is a call to arms. It just, it, it just has no idea the consequences of what it's suggesting. Yeah. Right. Well, it's just very weird that it does presage the whole uh, document everything phase of existence with social media and things. I mean, it's just like this movie I don't think would work today because every kid's got a social media presence and has a platform like this. And it just and it it would just get diluted. It does. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And and, and, and this movie's trying to be bold and brave by by being, um, you know, an ally to the gay guy who calls in. Yeah. Right. You know, because at that point in time, that was that was like a bold statement or, you know, anyway, I'm curious, though, did you guys am I the only one? Is this movie resonating with me as like familiar in a way that that isn't for you? Is it just me? Uh, Probably. How do you mean? yeah. I mean, I recognized my young adulthood in 
this movie. Like I saw the the people around me. I saw the the vibe. I you know I I I I look at this and I see that's actually a pretty accurate document of how people behaved and how things felt. <sighs> yeah, I remember at the time not having issue with it, but then again, that's probably because it was getting it right. You know. Yeah. It's like if there well, was something glaringly out of hand, like. Isn't this what the kids listen to or some shit like that? I would have remembered that. Yeah. I mean, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, over the years, I just, I had forgotten most of it. Like, I went back and rewatched it. It was like watching it for the first time. It was a very strange mm-hmm. experience. It's like, it's familiar, but it's not. And so it was just a weird vibe for me. Because I think it just, I watched it because it came out and it spoke to our generation or whatever. And it was just something to do. And then caught it on video a couple of times. But, uh, but I just never went back to it. It just didn't resonate quite like it did with you. I don't know why. Oh yeah, now I'm pretty sure we saw it together in L.A., Chris, and I was like obnoxiously into it. Yeah, probably. Plus, I mean, let's face it, Samantha Mathis, you know, was introducing Samantha incredibly, Mathis. yeah, incredibly that character just and gave us was a exactly shot of them what I was titties. into. Yeah, and it's like that. a second yep. second uh, movie in his you know in his many shows where my 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 big thumbs up is you know boobs yeah but it's also <laughs> kind of when you're watching it as a 50 something year old man and you know that she's 19 in her film uh-huh. debut it's sort of like ooh, ah i'm not i'm not totally maybe you with this <laughs> maybe okay. you what we've learned not is that chris me. is now too old to appreciate <laughs> boobs got it yeah okay uh but it also like i don't know <laughs> It's, I think it's just, to me, it's just where it falls flat is the whole thing just kind of is so self-serious. Because then you've got yeah. the whole subplot with the school administration, like, culling kids from the roster who aren't up to the SAT standards because they want to be an elite school. And so it just sort of goes nowhere. And then you've got, like, the cool teacher played by Ellen Green who makes the principled stand, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like all these weird loose threads that don't quite so- match up. So about that, like, yeah, it's, it's such small potatoes, right? Like it, it is, it is a lame thing to have a conflict over two things. One, that really was a thing. Mm -hmm. Schools really were behaving that way. And it was all just about standardized testing and numbers, which it was pointing that out. Right. But, but two, again, the authenticity, that's how easy we had it. This was a big, this was the big problem in 1990 right it wasn't yeah yeah. uh oh boy but i will say this that uh i think where the movie is saved and i think this one actually showed up in our uh sound one of our soundtracks episode is is the actual crap movies saved by great soundtracks is the uh is the is the actual soundtrack and because uh i will state on record uh right now that this was the first place that i heard the uh, the UK surf version of Wave of Mutilation by the Pixies, where they yeah. where they slow yeah. down the tempo and make it kind of a shanty almost, and it it's yeah. the better it's, version it's of the amazing. song. It's the better version of the song. But I can take or leave all of the fucking Leonard Cohen 
if I'm being totally honest with you. I just don't care about Leonard Cohen. But I guess it sets the I, mood. I mean, what, what, what's fantastic about it is, you know, he uses Leonard Cohen's Everybody Knows as his lead-off track, and it totally pays off in this triumphant-sounding cover by Concrete Blonde of the same song that's used right. at the end. That got a lot of airplay. he's doing this final broadcast. That one got and, a lot of And so it... I'll, I'll give it a pass just for that because it sets the stage for that moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, I do appreciate because at the time there were some bands in there that I hadn't really delved into yet. So you get a lot of like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Richard Hell and the Voidoids doing Love Comes in Spurts. Uh, you get some Kick Out the Jams, but this is a version by Bad Brains with Henry Rollins. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff. And then he's got the whole bit with that like 30 second Descendants song, Wiener Schnitzel, yeah. at the drive thru that he yeah. keeps playing over and over. Welcome to the Wiener Schnitzel. May I take your order, please? Yeah. I want. <laughs> You want Bill Sperm with that? It's stuff that I hadn't quite been introduced to uh, that I would in later years. So it's sort of it's a proto soundtrack album for me almost. It, it kind of set the stage. So it's it's solid. It's also, it's also very fitting that this was a pre-internet movie because yeah, again, you know, we had all of this corporatized media and we wanted to own it. I remember right. when I got to college. And went working at the college radio station and being like, this is kind of cool. Nobody's listening, but you know, it's kind of cool that mm-hmm. we can play whatever the fuck we want, <clears throat> that I can do news stories just, and just to be an asshole, make them all sort of pro Soviet, uh, newspeak <laughs> thing because nobody's <laughs> nice. listening and it's hilarious. Yeah. And the, the DJ in the booth next to me was laughing his balls off at, at this, this numbskull shit I would bring in. Cause I wasn't a broadcasting yeah. major i was just killing some time well that was the same back thing, in yeah. the time when cable access seemed ripe with potential yes yes, yes yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah i had a, a a very short stint as a dj at the local university station but it was like the sunday morning uh like 7 oh, a.m i remember this that's and the it was best like, call- time yeah because yeah, somebody's called- actually gonna hear you they're all hung over yeah I, I feel like it, I remember it being called Breakfast with the Beatles, but then I never hewed to the fucking uh, <laughs> format and would just play like Red Hot Chili Peppers and Peter Murphy and, and you know, whatever. Because I knew nobody was listening. Anything but the Beatles. Yeah. And so so I get it. <laughs> or it's, Breakfast. It's, yeah. yeah. And so so that's very much, you know, uh, Gen X to a T. I think the movie gets that right. It's just a kid screaming into the void because he doesn't get along with his parents. He's stuck in this mm. shithole town that he's just moved to and doesn't know anybody. Uh, that was me in like 1985 when I moved to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's your vibe. If you if you've moved to Phoenix as a teenager and didn't know anybody, it's the most horrible armpit of a fucking city ever. Uh, it's, and it, 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 it holds for other reasons, too. Yeah. I mean, some of us were, you know, like spent too, too much of our lives there and it's, it's a butthole still. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I don't think there are many, uh, uh, scenarios when it's not utter and complete shit. Yes. Yeah. In the, in the rolling <laughs> California like hills of Paradise Hills, Arizona, yeah. this movie portrays uh, where people walk places because it's not 110 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But the, the, yeah, but the whole thing, like just structurally coming away the, this recent viewing that I did, it's literally like an after-school special like that's that's the vibe that i pulled away from it and it just it just was very 
strange to me because it's kind of a time out of time sort of deal. But it really yeah. felt like one of those message episodes about disaffected youth and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's like they, they're very sledgehammery about the the theme uh, to the point where it's almost off-putting to me. Uh, yeah. And so it's it's a weird, weird beast to revisit, especially when you consider that Alan Moyle, the guy that made it, I ended up doing Empire Records a few years later, and there's a lot of the same themes in there, but it's almost like somebody said, you know what? Mm. You need to make that happy. That pump up the volume thing, yeah. you should have made that happy. And then he ends up with doing Empire Records, which is the same movie, just up, you know? And, and so flabby. it's a very weird... Yeah. I mean, that's a shit, shit film. I'm not, you know, no, no. This this at least makes sense. This is yeah. has a linear structure. That is nothing but, like, you know... Uh, 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 jacking off in front of people for two hours you know well i mean (laughs) well he ah yeah i don't i don't remember the whole story about how this one came to be a uh a movie but i think he had he had done some sort of screenplay thing and like gone on board with the producer and then he was just going to be a screenwriter but then they said no you have to direct this and then it wound up at new line cinema who was flush with all that elm street money uh, and was getting on board with, you know, let's do something for the kids. It's edgy. And then the fucking thing tanks at the box office. Cause I think it just confused people. They're like, what is this? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's 90 <laughs> minutes of Christian Slater, uh, sounding like his nor- normal Jack Nicholson self, uh, just screaming into the void, uh, until the end where there's like a Jeep chase and helicopters. And, uh, it's just all very ridiculous. I mean, it just, it's yeah. so over the top. Uh, but I guess it makes its point, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to divorce myself from me at 19 watching it versus me now watching it, which uh, mm. I guess is not the case for you, Brian, from what it sounds like. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I was way more into it at 19 than you were, I think, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Eric, did you have any particular reaction to rewatching this thing? I, it's, it's funny. I remember as, at that age being like, yeah, I'm pissed off too. What do we do about it? Somebody give me a plan. <laughs> You know, and and this mm-hmm. never said what you should do about it. Nothing ever said what you should do about it. it it's like, yeah, I get it. You know, that th- 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 there's a problem. Yeah, we're 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 disaffected. We're disassociated. We're, you know, tell me where to go. Who do we kill? Who do we kill so that we can solve yeah. this problem? And no one ever had an answer. It's like that maybe is what frustrates me about this and SFW, and all of these 90s Gen X films was like, right. you're, you're, not, you're not helping. <laughs> it's kind well, of I mean, like yeah. saying, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like saying there was a car accident. Look, look at the car accident. Okay, well, are we going to call an ambulance? Are we going to help? No, 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 no. Just look. Look at it. Yeah. Acknowledge well, yeah. it. It's, yeah, it's definitely of that piece where it's it's almost like a primal scream type of a deal it's like you're so pissed off but there's just literally nothing you can do to fix it so you're just gonna ah, yell that's this movie uh yeah and but it can't ironically i i feel right now here we are in 2022 and the world is so broken yeah and we need a pump up the volume about it now we need to pump up the volume yeah well we should we should definitely not give everybody a voice well the fact that that, was a the fact that this is like it's Made in, well, presumably filmed in 89, made in and released in 1990. So it's, it presages mm-hmm. grunge and the tectonic shift of the 90s. And it, do, I don't, it doesn't really predict it because it's obviously of its time. And so it's definitely Alan Moyle's flavor who's looking back 
on all the stuff he probably listened to as a kid and then the punk music and stuff. So it's, it's almost anachronistic on most of the songs that set the stage, except for the Pixies. Uh, we're very current at the time. Yeah, but it's it's a time capsule. Yeah, that's how I view it. It's just it's a time capsule of 1990. Yeah. There it is. It's so weird. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the 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 impotent rage is is rife in this one. But it's also yeah. just strange when you when you think about how they wanted to cast John Cusack in the role of Hard Harry Hard On. But he, yeah, that would have not yeah, worked. But he turned it down because he had just done say anything. He's like, I'm done with doing the the teenage things. Uh, I'm just through. And so they give it to Christian Slater. It's it's one of the best Christian Slater roles there is, right? Like, he he owns this thing. Well, I mean, it's just, it's kind of a watered-down version of J.D. from Heathers, though, if you look at it. It is. I mean, you know, whatever. And (laughs) one of the other great Christian Slater (laughs) roles. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to say about it. I just, when I went and saw it, I had that headcanon. I'm like, I need to talk about this movie on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, if for no other reason, just to get it out of your system. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It's definitely one of those movies that gained an audience after the fact. Because it just, it didn't make any money. But uh, like all things in the 90s, if it was reasonably decent, it had a chance to find life on video. Which this one definitely did. so I'd say its greatest sin is it's completely forgettable. It's like I, I, all I mm-hmm. remember is you know like who was in it. It had a good soundtrack and uh, uh, Matheson's titties. Samantha Mathis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Matheson's, well, Samantha Mathis's titties was a big draw for me. But otherwise, that's a, it's that's, like, yeah, it's that's the name of much Eric's band. That's Eric's new band, Samantha <laughs> Mathis's titties, feature featuring uh, Adrian Barbeau. There you go. Yes. Well, it's we it's so funny too that this presages uh, Broken Arrow from a few years later, which was the repairing of Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis in a John Woo American action extravaganza. I mean, it's just like when you watch Broken Arrow and you've seen Pump Up the Volume, it flavors every scene they're in. It is so weird. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've encountered that as I have, I but yeah, it's fun. I haven't bothered with Broken Arrow, so whatever, Dude, but yeah. That's, I, that's a whole other show, like, what did Hollywood do yeah. to Zone Wu? Uh-huh. Yeah. That was his first Hollywood film. That was him learning how to make a no. Hollywood film, so no, that he one did, I he forgive did, him. No, that was like his set. He did Hard Target with Van Damme first. That was his intro oh, really? to Hollywood. Yeah, so there you have it. I mean, are, are you suggesting a show, Chris? Uh, yeah. It's possible. We'll put it in the Piper. Okay. Well, then, if you subscribe to the podcast, maybe you'll hear that episode. Uh, <laughs> if you don't want us to do it, you still have a chance. You can hit us up on Twitter. Yeah. We're at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E, or you can email MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram with the Magnificently Huge Podcast. You can find links to all that junk on our website, MagHuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E, or, yeah, you can also find all our old episodes of the show there. Hit us up. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate it. Share it with your friends. Find Come out what everyone else talking is about. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is a virus, people. That's all you need to know. There you go. 